Back to Basics, a complete Back to Basic program recorded live during the Back to Basic study by Tim B. So my name is Tim and I am an alcoholic. Hi, Tim. Tonight we are doing step six, week six, six step six. And uh, you can see what uh, step six entails up on the shade there. You can also see it in the big book on page 59. It's a very short read. But do not let that uh, lead you into believing that it is an unimportant step. Page 76 in the big book, uh, we're going to look at uh, paragraph one. And that is really all that big book talks about uh, with regards to the step. But we're also going to read out of the 12 and 12 because it is so short. And I think it gives some further amplification, which I think is worthy. In the 12 and 12, we're going to be reading from page 63 to 69. Alrighty, so in the big book, page 76. If we can answer to our satisfaction, answer to what satisfaction? Well, it's talking about the page prior, about the questions that are listed on the bottom of page 75 of did we do a good job with the first five steps, the first five principles? So if you've marinated on that and you feel as though you've done a good job, then you can answer to your satisfaction. And then that allows us for the second part of the sen sentence, which is we then look at step six. We have emphasized willingness as being indispensable, a mean meaning mandatory. You must have willingness to be able to do this step. Are, so what does this entail? Are we now ready? to let God, our higher power, remove from us all the things which we have admitted are objectionable. What's objectionable? Well, our shortcomings, you, we're gonna use a lot of different words, sins, you can look at them as uh, character defects, you can look at them as uh, lumping them all together, the kind of the, 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 the overall rubric that I like to go with, selfish, self-centered behavior. Right? So we can be specific about what those things are, but to me, they kind of all going to come under that umbrella. So are we now ready to let God remove from us all the things which we have admitted are objectionable? Can he now take them all, every one? If we still cling to something, we will not let go. We ask God to help us be willing. So that's all the big book talks about um, with six and has us immediately go into step seven, but you have to come back next week for step seven. This week, I'd like to switch over for a few moments to the 12 and 12, page 63, step six. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. This is the step that separates the men from the boys. So, dis excuse me. so declares a well-loved clergyman. Does anybody know who the clergyman is? Father Ed Dowling, Jesuit Catholic priest. Father Ed Dowling became Bill Wilson's spiritual advisor. Uh, uh, after, after Bill has separated from the Oxford group, Sam Shoemaker originally started out Protestant, uh, Episcopalian priest. Uh, uh, he moved over to uh, Father Ed Dowell. 
So declares a well-loved clergyman who happens to be one of AA's greatest friends. He goes on to explain that any person capable of enough willingness and honesty to try repeatedly step six on all his faults, and then in italics, without any reservations, whatever, has indeed come a long way spiritually and is therefore entitled to be called a man who is sincerely trying to grow in the image and likeness of his own creator. Of course, the often disputed question of whether God can and will, under certain conditions, remove defects of character will, will be answered with a prompt affirm affirmative by almost any AA member. To him, this proposition will be no theory at all. It will be just about the largest fact in his life. He will surely offer, offer his proof in a statement like this. Sure, I was beaten, absolutely licked. My own willpower, remember what we've talked about that in, in step one. We're, our character defects are beyond our own self-will. Our willpower will not get them under control. Our life will remain unmanageable. So how do we how do we deal with how do we deal with our character defects? My own willpower just wouldn't work on alcohol. Change of scene, the best efforts of family, friends, doctor, and clergyman got no place with my alcoholism. I simply couldn't stop drinking, and no human being could seem to do the job for me. But when I became willing to clean house and then ask the higher power, God as I understood him, to give me release, my obsession to drink vanished. It was lifted right out of me. So we just saw what the recipe was to get alcoholism uh, 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 power over it. Right? We just saw what the recipe is. Now let's see what the recipe is to get control of all of our character defects. In AA meetings all over the world, statements just like this are heard daily. It is plain for everybody to see that each sober AA member has been granted a release from this very obstinate and potentially fatal obsession. So in a very complete and literal way, all AAs have become entirely ready to have God remove the mania for alcohol from their lives. And God has proceeded to do exactly that. Having been granted a perfect release from alcoholism, why then shouldn't we be able to achieve by the same means a perfect release from every other difficulty or defect? This is a riddle of our existence. The full answer to which may be only in the mind of God. Nevertheless, at least a part of the answer to it is apparent to us. When men and women pour so much alcohol into themselves that they destroy their lives, they commit a most unnatural act. Defying their instinctive desire for self-preservation, they seem bent upon self-destruction. They work against their own deepest instinct. As they are humbled, a bottom, as they are humbled by the terrific beating administered by alcohol, the grace of God can enter them and expel their obsession. Here, their powerful instinct to live can cooperate, cooperate fully with their creator's desire to give them new life. 
for nature and God alike abhor suicide. But most of our other difficulties, in other words, comparing them to alcoholism, but most of our other difficulties don't fall under such a category at all, meaning such a strong, potentially fatal situation. Every normal person wants, for example, to eat, to reproduce, to be somebody in the society of his fellows. And he wishes to be reasonably safe and secure as he tries to attain these things. Indeed, God made him that way. He did not design man to destroy himself by alcohol, but he did give man instincts to help him to stay alive. It is nowhere evident, at least in this life, that our creator expects us fully to eliminate our instinctual drives. So as far as we know, it is nowhere on the record that God has completely removed from any human being all his natural drives. Since most of us are born with an abundance of natural desires, it isn't strange that we often let these far exceed their intended purpose. When they drive us blindly, or we willfully demand that they supply us with more satisfactions or pleasures than are possible or do us. That is the point at which we depart from the degree of perfection that God wishes for us here on earth. That is the measure of our character defects, or if you wish, of our sins. If we ask, God will certainly forgive our derelictions, but in no case does he render us white as snow and keep us that way without our cooperation. That is something we are supposed to be willing to work toward ourselves. He asks only that we try as best we know how to make progress in the building of character, moral character. So step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character is AA's way of stating that, stating the best possible attitude one can take in order to make a beginning on this lifetime job. This does not mean that we expect all our character defects to be lifted out of us as the drive to drink was. A few of them may be, but with most of them, we shall have to be content with patient improvement. The key words, entirely ready, underline the fact that we want to aim at the very best we know or can learn. How many of us have this degree of readiness? In an absolute sense, practically nobody has it. The best we can do with all the honesty that we can summon is to try to have it. Even then, the best of us will discover to our dismay that there is always a sticking point, a point at which we say, no, I can't give this up yet. And we shall often tread on even more dangerous ground when we cry, this I will never give up. Such is the power of our instincts to overreach themselves. No matter how far we have progressed, desires will always be found which oppose the grace of God. Some who feel they have done well may dispute this. So let's try to think it through a little further. Practically everybody wishes to be rid of his most glaring and destructive handicaps. 
No one wants to be so proud that he is scorned as a braggart, nor so greedy that he is labeled a thief. No one wants to be angry enough to murder, lustful enough to rape, gluttonous enough to ruin his health. No one wants to be agonized by the chronic pain of envy or to be paralyzed by sloth. Of course, most human beings don't suffer these defects at these rock bottom levels. So what is he saying here? The reason that they're more difficult, that if we use the steps to solve our character defects, they're more difficult to solve because we are not at the rock bottom levels. A bottom, we talked about it in, in, in getting our handle on booze, right? The importance of the bottom, the judge, the, the spouse has kicked you out, you've been fired from the job, you're in rehab, you know, that bottom opens up the channel that makes it easier for you to be willing to receive the grace of God and to do the work to actually get it. So when it's superficial, he's saying all those examples before that, those are the extreme examples. So yeah, if I was a thief, I'd want to get my hands around that. But do we maybe fill out our taxes and say religious contributions two grand this year and we just made it up? That's a thief. But we're not going to be so hot on that because it's not so glaring. We who have escaped these extremes are apt to congratulate ourselves. Yet, can we? After all, hasn't it been self-interest, pure and simple, that has enabled most of us to escape? Not much spiritual effort is involved in, in avoiding excuses which will bring us punishment anyway. So you see this? We don't need too much spiritual effort if we're in a rock bottom. If we're living on a park bench, there's not that much effort needed. I want, need, and will do whatever is necessary to get off the park bench. To give up a habitual 15-year process of putting $2,000 in for my religious contributions is much harder. But when we face up to the less violent aspects of these very same defects, then where do we stand? We must recognize now, what we, mu what we must recognize now is that we exalt in some of our defects. In other words, revel in them. We really love them. Who, for example, doesn't like to feel just a little superior to the next fellow, or even quite a lot superior? Isn't it true that we like to let greed masquerade as ambition? Right? Somebody describes, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I work 80 hours a week and I, I put in for double overtime and the, the guy clocks me out and I'm not really there. I'm ambitious. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a player, man. I'm really moving for the money. Well, that's, that's greed masquerading as ambition. Maybe, maybe your family needs you to not work 80, maybe to only work 70 hours. <clears throat> to think of liking lust seems impossible. But how many men and women speak love with their lips and believe what they say so that they can hide lust in the dark corner of their minds? And even while staying within conventional bounds, many people have to admit that they're 
imaginary sex excursions are apt to be all dressed up as dreams of romance. It's almost delusional. Self-righteous anger also can be very enjoyable. In a perverse way, we can actually take satisfaction from the fact that many people annoy us, for it brings a comfortable feeling of superiority, which what, what, what could we call that? Selfish, self-centered behavior. <coughs> Excuse me. Gossip barbed with our anger, a polite form of murder by character assassination, has its satisfactions for us too. Here we are not trying to help those we criticize. We are trying to proclaim our own righteousness. When gluttony is, is less than ruinous, less than a bottom, in other words, if you, if you have gluttony and you've got type 2 diabetes and you're going to have to go on all these meds, that might be enough of a bottom to get a handle on it. But when gluttony is less than ruinous, we have a milder word for that too. We can call it taking our comfort. We live in a world riddled with envy. To a greater or less degree, everybody is infected with it. From this defect, we must surely get a warped yet definite satisfaction. Else, why would we consume such great amounts of time wishing for what we have not rather than working for it or angrily looking for attributes we shall never have? Instead of adjusting to the fact and accepting it, except for, except for adjusting to the fact and accepting it. How often we work hard with no better motive than to be secure and slothful later on. Only we call that retiring. <laughs> Consider to our talents for procrastination, which is really sloth in five syllables. Nearly anyone could submit a good list of such characters as these. And few of us would seriously, seriously think of giving them up at least until they cause us excessive misery, a bottom. So the idea is that we want at, on, on initial go around to get rid of our grosser handicaps, but at some point we need to start peeling the onion back and dealing with the less glaring ones. And they get harder and harder and harder, particularly when we use euphemisms to describe them. Some people, of course, may conclude that they are indeed ready to have all such defects taken from them. But even these people, if they construct a list of still milder defects, will be obliged to admit that they prefer to hang on to some of them. Therefore, it seems plain that few of us can quickly or easily become ready to aim at spiritual and moral perfection. We want to settle for only as much perfection as will get us by in life, according, of course, to our various and sundry ideas of what will get us by. So the difference between the boys and the men is the difference between striving for a self-determined objective and for the perfect objective, which is of God. Many will at once ask, how can we accept the entire implication of step six? Why? That is perfection. This sounds like a hard question, but practically speaking, it isn't. 
only step one where we made the 100% admission that we, 100% admission we were powerless over alcohol can be practiced with absolute perfection. The remaining 11 steps state perfect ideals. They are goals toward which we look and the measuring sticks by which we estimate our progress. Seen in this light, step six is still difficult, but not at all impossible. The only urgent thing is that we begin, that we make a beginning and keep trying. If we would gain any real advantage in the use of this step on problems other than alcohol, we shall need to make a brand new venture into open-mindedness. We shall need to raise our eyes toward perfection and be ready to walk in that direction. It will seldom matter how haltingly we walk. The only question will be, are we ready? Looking again at those defects, we are still unwilling to give up. We ought to erase the hard and fast lines that we have drawn. Perhaps we shall be obliged in some cases still to say, this I cannot give up yet. But we should not say to ourselves, this I will never give up. We saw the difference between yet and never. All the difference in the world. Let's dispose of what appears to be a hazardous open end we have left. It is suggested that we ought to become entirely willing to aim toward perfection. We note that some delay, however, might be pardoned. That word in the mind of a rationalizing alcoholic could certainly be given a long-term meaning. He could say, how very easy. Sure, I'll head toward perfection, but I'm certainly not going to hurry any. Maybe I can postpone dealing with some of my problems indefinitely. Of course, this won't do. Such a bluffing of oneself will have to go the way of many another pleasant rationalization. At the very least, we shall have to come to grips with some of our worst character defects and take action toward their removal as quickly as we can. The moment we say, no, never, our minds close against the grace of God. Delay is dangerous and rebellion may be fatal. This is the exact point at which we abandon limited objectives and move toward God's will for us. So we're going to take step six as a crew. <clears throat> and... Uh, You can, of course, look, as I had mentioned several times, you can look at the step on page 59, but you can look at the shade right here also. And you see it's a declarative statement for step six. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. And we'd merely change that into a question. And the question would be, are you entirely ready to have God remove all your defects of character? And your answer would be? Yes. yes. So the, the, you, congratulations, you just took step six. We'll do step seven uh, next week. Typically, they're done simultaneously. In fact, I do five, six, seven, and the person walks away with an eight-step list and a plan for doing nine all in one sitting. But since we're doing it in this format, uh, the final thing I do want to state is um, for further amplification on steps six and seven, this is not an, uh, an AA published book. 
but this is called Drop the Rock. I think it is an excellent uh, supplemental read, uh, something to consider, and one of those things that you can uh, you can get on uh, online or whatever. So uh, with that, I'm going to uh, finish for tonight.